Well, we're in a series on joy. And deep prayer that we have had, because uh, this really was birthed out of um, the elders really praying about God. There's some areas we want to grow in, and one of the things that came up was, as we looked at the fruits of the Spirit, was this whole thing of joy. And then we went to the staff. We did a similar process, and what bubbled up when we were looking at fruits of the Spirit, I mean, it was incredible joy. And then what I sense is I've been basically sharing this message is that it just resonates in the heart with many people. And it's our deep desire that we as a church won't just hear a message on this, that we won't just, you know, get some information, but that we will actually see life change because in faith we apply this truth and we live with this personal God in a relationship that changes our life so that we can know him more fully and people through our lives can know him as well. So let's begin with just a word of prayer. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and quiet your heart. If you are family here, we're so glad you're a part of this. If you're visiting, wherever you're at in your journey, we invite you into this prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you and we give you thanks for this incredible day. This day that we celebrate and through this week and this season of your son, Jesus, who was born in order that we might know you and live with you. And how your Holy Spirit, you Holy Spirit, have orchestrated all this so that in this place, at this very moment, we can come before you knowing there is a God who is alive, who is here, who we have just worshipped, who is willing to move into our experience, our life. So speak to us. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever run out of gas? Anybody just raise your hand, you know, be honest. How about about running out of cash? You ever done that? I did that not a few weeks ago, and I was early in the morning, and I went to a care when I just wanted a cup of coffee, and I felt my pocket. You've done that before, or you're kind of going like this, or maybe, ladies, you're looking in your purse, whatever, and, and you just, you don't have it. Or maybe you're running out of energy. Anybody running out of energy right now? (laughs) <laughs> okay, we do have a taker on that one. And uh, some of you students back from college or grad school are probably just going <sighs> after exams and everything else. Or maybe you're running out of courage in a situation you're in right now and you just don't, you know, to press into it. Or you're running out of patience. Or you're thin on kindness. Or you just don't have a lot to give when it comes to forgiveness. The tank within your own moral fiber is low and running dry on love. Have you ever experienced lack, less than, not enough, maybe even empty? Maybe you've experienced those times of lack. I've experienced those. And you know what happens when you're usually in that time where you're in that less than, you just don't have enough, and you're kind of low within all those things we mentioned, is that you are also usually low in joy, right? As the needle goes down in these other areas, so also goes the needle of joy. And maybe today you face a challenge or you're in a place where you've got a hurdle before you or you have this struggle that you're engaged in right now and you find joy something tough to experience and to come by in your life. It could be for a whole different reasons. It could be at work, in situations that you have there. It could be in your home. It could be with your children or with your adult parents. It could be with your marriage. 
It may be that you're experiencing that school. Some of you who find it maybe in friendships or you're finding it in your studies. It could be in your health. It could be in your finances. Maybe you don't feel you have what it takes and you experience this sense of being less than in your abilities, not able to measure up, not having the resources it takes. And as you kind of are going through life, you look around and you see a whole lot of people and it looks at they, like they got it together. In fact, if you turn and look at people here, except for a few losers here, but anyway, no. Um, but if you turn and you look at people, you, you kind of go, they got it together. And you kind of maybe are hiding in a sense behind that going, oh. And you maybe shared it with a few people, but you experienced this. Maybe you experienced it in your family. Maybe your family is not perfect. Then again, maybe it is. Maybe on December 25th, you'll sit around a table with a family of perfectly healthy, emotionally mature, well-adjusted, you know, normal people. Though researchers say every family has at least one maladjusted wacko. And if you look around the Christmas table and on Christmas Day and you can't figure out who it is, it's probably you. But maybe just maybe family is a kind of complicated word for you. It's full of pain and hurt and some loneliness and brokenness. And you sit around with smiles, but you sense lack. And maybe there's not a whole lot of joy around this word when it comes up family. And I'm really excited because this message is for you. Maybe you have felt in your life a sense of lack and you don't experience the kind of success that you would like. But maybe not. Maybe you have kind of the Midas touch and, you know, you feel and see gold everywhere. You, you know, you're the kind of person where everything in your life is going exactly the way you want it to be going. Your career has been on a continual upward trajectory. Those who work for and with you feel blessed that you're on their team. Your spouse thanks you every day for the privilege of being associated with you. Your kids, because of your influence, have bypassed the crazy years of adolescence and have chosen to move right to mature adulthood. Your habits, your home, your health, your finances are exactly as you want them to be. Maybe that's you. And again, maybe it's not. Maybe things haven't turned out exactly the way you had planned. Maybe you're in the midst of one of these downward slides in a lot of areas of your life. And maybe your joy quotient is far from what you had thought it would be and hoped it would be. And I just want to tell you this message is for you. What if in your lack, in this place of less than, in that empty spot, you could have joy. Facing a difficulty, being with emotionally unhealthy people, not having a life exactly the way you want it to be, and yet you could live with and experience joy. But if your joy wasn't in you or in your circumstances, it's not even in your destination that you'll be at someday. So much of my life, you guys, so much of my life, has been lived with this sense of when I get there someday and I get to this place, then I'll send there'll be this release of joy. And you may be living that kind of way. You know, I'll be happy someday when I get there, when I get that promotion or I get the raise that I need or just the right job or the perfect family or I paid out my debt or the 
close to perfect life that I want or whatever it may be. You got to get there then. Then will be joy. And how many how many people who claim to be Christians live that way throughout their entire life? Someday when we get to heaven, then we'll be happy. Oh, what a day of what? Rejoicing that will be. But I'm just going to have to push through and work it through this life. And somehow when I get through all the thirsty stuff, then, then someday. What if this someday was today? And God said, in your lack, in this place you're in right now, joy is to bubble up from within. Maybe. Just maybe God intended. What if he just intended your joy to be in someone Not in something. Not even in yourself to conjure up. But in someone who is always full of joy. In fact, it's the very essence of joy, the source of joy, the wellspring of all your joy in this person. This person whose very nature and character and being itself is joy. This God who has revealed himself when you read about him and you see it from the very beginning of the pages is this creative being who does these incredible things. And when he gets done, he looks at it, he goes, boy, it's good. And he smiles because he's so full of joy. And so wants to be related to us so that we can be people connected to him to know this kind of joy. And he doesn't look for it someday out there or for a season like Christmas It's not just for a moment, but what if it's for a lifetime? Something that you and I are to grow into and to move into. What if the Apostle Paul was right when he gave this command? And it's a command. Rejoice in the Lord always. You think that'd be enough, but he looks in the sense and he's got to write it again. He says, rejoice. I will say it again. Rejoice. What if the ability to rejoice was within your ability? What if the ability to rejoice was your choice? You have through this kind of this. This attitude of joy being undergirded by a responsible faith choice to move into this relationship with this person who can face every system, every place, everywhere you go where you might experience lack. Well, this week, we're going to look at one word. And some of you who are new with us, haven't been with us for the last few weeks, we've been looking at a few words, four words, one week, three words, two words. And then this week, we're looking at one word, one word only. And that word is abundantly full. It is so full. And when you speak it, it is full of joy. So I want you to think of a second and just take a guess. What do you think that word is? You might want to write it down. Give thought for a second. What is this word that is so full, so rich, so abundant that as you choose it, you experience joy? And it's a distinctly Christmas word. So while you're thinking, I would like to review. And one of the ways I'm going to do that is just an email I received this week. A person uh, sent me this and said, good morning, Kevin. Thank you for your thoughtful message regarding the challenges that I'm facing. And I want to share with you about the power, capital letters, of the following It could be worse. God's at work. Wake up, because this is the day the Lord's made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And this person continues, I can't tell you how many times I have said those words, particularly since I learned of my own difficulty. Those words have helped me in amazing ways, and I've also shared them with my friends 
in my family. And as I read this, I got a bit emotional. I teared up because joy was alive in this person's lack, in this person's challenge. These words applied reveal a truth. And this word specifically, those words that we've been looking at, in this one word, it says it outright. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to stand for a moment, okay? Because you need to engage. You're kind of looking a little tired to me, so I'd like you to stand. And for those of you who, who know these words, I'd love for you to kind of repeat them and to do them to someone next to you. If you would turn to someone and you would say four words. Okay. Three words. And two words. Okay. Now, so you're standing. Stay standing. Anybody... Want to guess, take a moment and guess and tell the person next to you what you think that one word is. OK. OK. And, you know, it's only one word. So just, you know, the next person share, with it, you know. OK. How many said Jesus? Raise your hand. Good guess. Wrong. Too bad. <laughs> That's not what I was looking for. This is a distinctly Christmas word. Anybody guess? Yeah, good try. Someone got it first service. Someone said it. Emmanuel. Very good. Let's say it together. One word. And when you say it, when you know the meaning of it in the situation you're in, you will know what it means because it is the Hebrew word that says God with us. When you say Emmanuel, you're saying, God, you're with me right now in this situation. What better place could I be? Because you are right here with me. And you say the word and it means God with us. Thanks. You may be seated. I'm done. Thanks. Let's go. Um, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and verses 23, specifically we're going to look at it. But it's the story of Joseph. You have the story of Mary, but in Matthew, you have the story of Joseph. Luke tells the story of Mary, but Matthew goes ahead and lets us know about the struggle that Joseph had. He was facing a challenge. He was feeling a lack of wisdom. I think he was feeling a lack of compassion. My guess is that he was in a situation, in a very challenging situation, because he has been just told, probably not too long before that, by his dear little soon-to-be wife, Mary, who's probably about 15 years of age, and she says to him, a person of great character, looks at him with those innocent eyes and says, I'm pregnant. And I'm spirit conceived. And he's gone. Right. And yet he's a good man. He's a righteous man. He's a just man. He's very devout. He doesn't want it in any way. One of the things you see about righteous people, they're kind of, they're not just God honoring. They honor other people, even in difficult situations. And she, he wants to honor Mary. So he goes back. He's wrestling with it. He's feeling lack. He's in a place where I don't think he's probably, what do you think his joy quotient was? Probably not real high. And so he, as it says in the word of God, and I'll read the message, verse 20, while he was trying to figure it out, he was trying to figure a way out of this predicament. He had a dream. And God's angel spoke in the dream. Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate. Don't, don't even think twice about it. Get married to Mary. And the angel visits and says to him, take Mary as your wife. Her pregnancy, as she said to you, is spirit conceived. And then what I think is really interesting about it, here's what's really cool. He, he, he goes back because he, he's given a word from Isaiah the prophet. The angel kind of gives it. This is what Matthew tells us, that it says it's the fulfillment of Isaiah's word, what's happening right now in your life. Verse 22, 3, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him. What's the word? Emmanuel, which means God with us. Which means God's with you in your lack. 
So trust. Take courage. You have a choice in every situation, in the situation you're right now, to rejoice. You're not alone. That's what Joseph was experiencing. He, he, he wasn't without resources. He had the God of all wisdom right there available, and he turned to him. You're not abandoned. You never will be. There's a word that he wants you to remember in every situation. When you face those situations, you're moving to fear. You're a place where you're beginning to wonder, do I have the resources? Can I do it? Can I measure up? Can I actually? Is there any way possible? There's a word that you're to say, and that's what? Emmanuel. God's with you. He is with you. So rejoice. You have the choice to smile and say, you know, even in this situation, I can know that God is with me. And that's what Joseph knew. So to really understand this, it's important for us to kind of get the backstory. You know, there's a story behind this story of, of Joseph. And so to fully appreciate it, it's helpful to know this context. And the context is some 700 years before Jesus was actually born. God, through the prophet Isaiah, comes to a king. And this is recorded in the book of Isaiah, specifically chapter 7. He comes to King Ahaz, who's not a particularly good king. Ahaz was the 13th king of Judah, the southern kingdom, because at that point they had been split. They had a civil war and there was a northern kingdom. He's the, first, the 13th king of Judah in the line of David, and he lived around 742 to 725 B.C. In chapter 7, verse 2, we're told that just before that, Ahaz has found that there are two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and then also a kingdom called Syria that have conspired together and they are poised in a sense to come and overtake his kingdom. In fact, in 741 B.C., the wicked king, this king Ahaz, was alarmed that Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramalia, king of Israel, had joined forces to invade Judah and place their own king on the throne of Jerusalem. So he's nervous. Verse 2 tells us Ahaz and his people were badly shaken. They shook like trees in the wind. And so here is this picture of Isaiah coming to Ahaz, who's refusing to trust God. His person hasn't been trusting God, doesn't believe in God's presence, even though he's seen all the things of God's presence in the history of the people. And, and, and God comes to him to provide him protection. God comes to him to say, here, I'm with you even in this lack, even in this situation, even to a king who doesn't deserve it. A king who himself has been wandering and turning away, which is this incredible, gracious God who comes into our situations, even when we're not looking for him, even when we don't want him to be a part of our life. And so he comes to Ahaz, says, I want to protect you. But Ahaz says, no, I'm going to I'm going to do it my own way. I, I can do this. I in his lack, instead of turning to God and his resources, decide to turn to the resources, the little resources he has. And they're not really even his resources. We're told that he actually goes into the temple. He takes gold out of the temple and he goes ahead and he conspires with Assyria, a larger nation than Syria and the northern kingdom. And he says, guess what? I'm going to give you the gold. This is all I got. This is, you know, I don't have a lot, but I'm going to give you this. And he basically is paying for a bodyguard. He's asking another huge nation to come in and to kind of be their back, you know, to stand and kind of um, stand behind them and hold and help them. And so it's with this that God tells the prophet Isaiah, whose name means the Lord save. So Isaiah, who, as he comes before him, the actual name, he says, oh, hi, Isaiah, which means the Lord saves. 
he goes to meet Ahaz and he tries to get Ahaz to trust God and his resources in his lack. To trust the fact that God was present for him. Now, I, you got to catch this, too. Ahaz was aware of this because there had been prophecy that had been given that in just 65 years, those three kingdoms, both the northern kingdom, Syria and Assyria, were scheduled to be destroyed. So he had signs. He had other things around him. But Ahaz decided not. So Isaiah comes to King Ahaz and he says, ask for a sign from God. Anything you want. God, and ask him. And God wants to prove to you that he's with you. And so Ahaz, who knows the history of God, he knows that, that God had come and redeemed this people from Egypt, set them free. He actually saw the, the, the whole Egyptian army that he was aware of through their stories, who was destroyed by God through a sea, who then takes him and provides through him through a wilderness. He knows the story of God bringing him into this promised land. And in this promised land, tearing down huge cities like Jericho, giving them the land. And not only that, then he begins to work through this little boy named David. And David rises and he develops his kingdom. And this kingdom continues to grow so much so that in the time of Solomon, it spreads out through everywhere. And this is the God who's with him who says I want to come to you and I want to be with you and Ahaz says I don't believe I'm not going to I'm not going to trust and so he doubted and questioned whether God was present and refused to ask God for a sign he says it almost sounds humble but he says I'm not going to if God is really incredibly gracious here as you go on in the story God realizes even though Ahaz isn't going to ask realizes there are people who are looking for him and want a sign of God's presence. And so God says, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. But it's not a sign just for the people in that day. But it's a sign that's for any person who would believe and trust in God, even to this day. And so he gives a sign. He comes to him. And he gives a sign that says, as Isaiah says, God will give you a sign. There shall be a son and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So that the very name Emmanuel, this word that I want you to say, means God is with you. And in this name, every time you say it is a promise, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what's going on, is this promise when you say it, God is with you. That one word, Emmanuel, say it, Emmanuel, means God's with you. And in spite of knowing God's name and the promise that was in that name of his presence. Here's what the king Ahaz told Isaiah in so many words. He, 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 with pride in his heart, he says, I don't need God's help. I've already hired the Assyrian army to save us. I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to try and live in my lack to meet these things. But thank God in verse 14, God says, I'm going to give you right today, everyone here, a promise. It's the promise we celebrate every year. It's found in verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call him Emmanuel. This is the name that's given to Joseph. So that's the backstory. So when you hear this passage of scripture, you begin to read it and it says it was prophesied. This is what comes to mind. This is the promise that Jesus encourages his disciples with when he's about to leave them. Can you imagine what they're feeling? He's gone through this death. He's been resurrected. And he says, now I'm leaving and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And as he's about to leave, he says to them, I want you to go out and I want you to follow me. And then he makes this line. He says, and surely, Emmanuel, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. 
It's the assurance you read of in, the, in, in Hebrews at a certain point when these people who had, for their faith, lost their jobs, had actually faced some persecution. And they're in a place where they're ready to kind of say, I'm thrown in the towel. The writer of Hebrews writes, be content with what you have. Relax right where you're at in your present circumstances, in your time of lack, because God said, Emmanuel, never will I leave you, nor never will I forsake you. So with confident joy, says the scripture. The choice you have in this situation to rejoice, because you know the Lord is my helper, says Hebrews. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? So here's the sign. Here's what Christmas is all about. The sign of the fact that there's a baby in a major. There's a sign of the fact that this baby is born to a virgin. There is a sign that in this baby is God present in history, came from heaven to earth. Emmanuel. Now, you know it's said that um, loans are signs of trust, right? You give a loan, it's a sign of trust. Stocks are a sign of trade. Gifts are a sign of love. Christmas is and always will be a sign of God's presence. Think about that. Christmas is and always will be a sign of God's presence. He is with you. With you, with his abundance. With you in giving you the ability to have wisdom. There to protect you and to care for you when you have a need. There he is also to provide for you. There when you feel in the sense that I can't measure up my sin and I feel drowning in my sin and my shame and my guilt and you feel this voice of accusation against you, you have this voice of encouragement that says, Emmanuel, God came on earth and on this earth through Jesus. He lived a life perfectly and in this perfect life he went to a cross in order to take your shame and your guilt and all he asks for you to do is to trust what? Emmanuel. And begin to smile and begin to rejoice because he takes your shame and your guilt if you give it to him. What an incredible truth. You have this God who loves you, who wants to be connected to you, who wants to live with you, who wants to be present with you right now. And you go, but I don't feel it. I don't, I don't experience it. And I've done these things. There's no way that he would in any way come to me. And he says, yes, I do. I would come to King Ahaz, who is the most wicked king in many lines of kings who came in the in the time of Judah, and he says, I even came to him in his trouble and lack. And I gave him a sign whether he wanted to believe it or not. And he gives you a sign whether you want to believe it or not today. He was with you and only you can choose to receive and take this into your heart. Only you can choose in your circumstance, to believe what he has told you. And then you have the choice in knowing this to begin to rejoice. You begin to smile because you know this God who is smiling on you and loves you in the midst of your situation. What I find is interesting is that I think, um, and I want to get practical for a moment here, that God so often looks at us like kids. Um, I, I really want you um, to look at it in the sense of the way God may see us when he says, I want you to choose joy in your circumstance right now. I think it looks like this. I, I honestly, you know what, he, he comes to us and he says, you know what, in your heart you can have joy because I am with you. And we're going, God, I And you know what? He's even okay with that. 
But he comes with you and he wants you to recognize this truth and the way that you grow up in him and become adults eventually and no longer like little kids. Part of what God wants to do in the life of of this church and in your own personal life is in the midst of these situations of lack and the situations where you feel less than in those situations where you're empty and you just don't have it. He says, I want you. Now, some of you need to get sleep physically. Some you need to eat healthy. I mean, there's a whole lot of things you need to do. But let's pull back. I want you, as you take care of yourself, to choose to believe what I told you at Christmas. And Christmas is the sign through the word Emmanuel, which means. And say this time, God is with me. Say it. That he is with you in their choice that you have in that moment is to believe it and then to rejoice. No matter what the circumstances, no matter how you feel. And I think that picture that we looked at just a moment ago. With these little kids holding this thing is what many of us are like. And you may be in that situation right now and you may be kind of just you can be mad even at God. You know, you could be saying, God, you didn't come through me. I thought I was living this way. And, and, and you, you're kind of wrestling with this. Well, really practically, I just want to share with you, God is with you in the times when you're tempted to quit. And you may be in a situation like that right now. You feel like you've done what you could. You, you, you poured your heart into it. I, I think of so many times in Scripture where people are ready to, to quit. In fact, Isaiah, this whole passage in chapter 7, is a group of people who have this ungodly king who are ready to give it up. And God comes to them and says, guess what? I'm going to give you a sign. Keep your eye on the sign. I'm with you. I think of the, the children of Israel, and I think it's a great thing that God calls them the children of Israel, not the adults of Israel, right? Because they're walking through the wilderness. As they're walking through the wilderness, how many times did they kind of have the opportunity to activate the joy of God's presence in their midst. They had this cloud and fire going with them, and they could have just in faith trusted it. But how many times when they started to get really hungry and they were desperate for some water, they started to cry out and they said, Oh, let us hear this is horrible. Oh, man, I just want to go home. I want to quit. I'm ready to give it up. I would like to munch on some onions again. I mean, give me some garlic to suck on, you know. And God's just there. Just think about it a second. Do you think when they're in that situation, do you think if they would have actually made the choice to rejoice, they would have known this Emmanuel and they would have trusted God's presence. Do you think when they came to the end of their sense where they were really hungry, do you think God would have let them go hungry and die? Do you think he answered because they cried and moaned and said, oh, this is horrible. Or do you think God was just saying, you know what, I'm bringing you through these circumstances so that in every circumstance, if you would just trust in me, I will provide. I will do what needs to be done within you to make you the kind of person that can live out this life. And I tell you what he's calling us to do in every situation is to grow up to be adults and begin to trust the fact that the Spirit of God is in us and that the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and that we can activate when we actually choose to trust. We can begin to know joy because we're connected to one who is with us. The word Emmanuel should bring a smile to your face. You are not alone. God is with you when you're tempted to quit. 
God is with you in those difficult times when you feel like you just don't have the provisions, your finances, can't do the test scores that you need, whatever it is, and those ever needs that you have, God is with you. That's why he said to the Hebrew people when they were ready to quit, and they were, they were at a point where they said, you know, we don't even have the clothes that we need. And they looked around at other people, and they saw that they had, so that the writer in Hebrew says, let your character he appeals to their character at this point, which is, is part of what faith is. God is seeking to build character in us, in me, so that we can come into these situations and we can begin to choose what we know is true and then actually live it out. So that he says, let your character be free from this want of money, but be content with what you have. It could be worse. For he himself said... I will never desert you. God's at work. So wake up today knowing I'll never forsake you and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I look at the things around me in the snow and all the things that I can actually have a car to drive and I can actually have a warm home and I can have friends. I'm going to begin to rejoice. And then to know this undergirding all of it is this fact of Emmanuel. God is with you. Why? Why would we choose to moan and grumble and complain. God is with the lonely. When you're feeling lonely, God is there. You may be thinking to yourself, I want a warm body. It would really be nice to have a hand to touch, a voice to hear. And that's really true. And there are those times where you go through times of loneliness. And in those times of loneliness, you call out to God. God is with you in difficult times. Maybe your health or you're struggling with employment or you're finding the sense of a struggle in your marriage, your family. I know that's true for some of you. I've talked with some of you. I know that you're going through difficult times. And Joseph was a great example of a person who you talk about a difficult time. He's sitting there and God, he says, help me. And God shows up and gives him wisdom. You may be feeling, you know, God, I'm in a place where I'm really in a time of danger. You may have someone who's in a place where they're serving and they're in danger. But here's what God says. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I love these verses in Isaiah 43. The same prophet says, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name, your mind. And when you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. And when you're in rough waters, you're not going to go down. And when you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. It might be painful because I'm God, your personal God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have paid a huge price for you. In the Old Testament, he says all of Egypt, Cush, Seba thrown in. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'd sell the whole world to get you back. Trade creation just for you. And at Christmas, the sign of God's presence is this truth that he would also come as a baby and grow to be a man. And he would go through this life, choosing joy through all it because of this truth that God was with him. And he did it for you. Christmas is the sign of God's presence. He gives the gift of his son, the sign of his love. And with Christmas, this distinctly Christmas name, Emmanuel. He says right now, wherever you're at, I am with you. So I'm going to ask you to think about this for a second. Ask God to reveal himself to you in, in your hardest place. What is that right now? You know, I don't know what it might be. Where you experience lack, where you feel a sense of uh, brokenness, not measuring up. You just, you, in that place, God would like to show up.
And I want to share with you this truth. Your greatest, your, your, your place of greatest lack, where you feel this hurt and pain, may become the place of God's greatest presence. You may find God with you in your extremity in a way that you would never know Him in your prosperity. And I know there could be people who stand up and say, you know what? It was in this place where God showed up to me. So I want to ask you where you're at right now in that hard place. Have you ever asked God? Maybe you've never done this before. You say, God, would you reveal yourself? Show me. And you know, it's interesting that sometimes God will be with you because he promises to with all that you need. And at times he will actually show up in ways that will amaze you. He may heal. He may miraculously come and provide for you. He may come in in such a way where he will reveal himself in a startling way. I had someone after the service tell me that as they were praying, they prayed for something. And immediately after God did something, God sometimes does that. He's so gracious and loving. He knows your heart and he knows what you need. But there are some times when you pray to God in those situations of lack And you begin to wonder and you're worried and you start to feel this sense of where is God in this whole thing? And and yet God says he will be with you. Christmas is the sign that he's with you with all that you need. But he's with you working in you. It's different. He doesn't come immediately and give you what you think you need. You may even go through that trial, but he's with you because he's doing something in you. And what I love about the truth of God, you see it so many times. You see it in the life of Joseph when he was thrown into a prison. And, and then he was thrown, first of all, into a place where he was taken to Egypt, then thrown into prison. You see so many times that God comes into this guy, Joseph, and he begins to transform Joseph. So his prisons become his next stepping stone into what God wants to do in his life. Preparing him for what he has planned. And so often, if you've been like me, I get in those places and it's rotten, it stinks and you don't like it, but you fight it and you get mad at God and you're angry and God comes to you and he says, guess what? I'm with you in it. I may not take you out of it, but I'm going to do something in you because in you, that needs to be done so that you can move to the place that I have prepared to do the next work in you and for others. So know this, God may not move you to a new place, but he can put a new you in an old place. God may not move you to a new place. He does for some. I don't know God's gracious plan and how he works with others, but get your eyes off others because the only person that matters right now is you. God may not move you to a new place, but he can put a new you in an old place, and that old place can become a new place. That old place can become a new place because of the new you in you because God's presence always unlocks blessing. It always unlocks blessing. So the challenge for you and for me is how do I respond in this challenge, this difficulty, this lack, this sense of emptiness. When you come up and you find out you're out of cash, you're out of gas, you just don't got it and you call out to God. There's a man, some of you know, his name is Nick Bujicic. I can't say his name very well, but it's called Bujicic. He is a person where when he was born, his parents were dealt with a tough challenge with Nick. You see, Nick, he's from Australia and, and Nick was born without arms and legs. And, and Nick was one of those persons early in his life was struggling, trying to figure this thing out. And he, he had heard one time that, that this promise that God had a plan for his life, that God was going to be with him and that he is with him and that God had given him a hope and a future. And Nick said that promise made no sense to me. Where was God in this situation? I'm just talking about a person. No, no legs, no arms. Some of you may have seen him. 
just a torso. At a certain point in his youth, Nick said he began to start wrestling with all this lack and he began to start trusting God as Emmanuel, the sign of Christmas that God is with you, that he's there with you. And he began to say, "Okay, God, if you're with me, I'm going to start to trust this. And at a certain point, he opened his heart and his life to Jesus Christ. And he began to take in at that point who Jesus is and what it could mean to have God living in him without arms and legs. And it was interesting because he said at that point he made a choice to rejoice. He actually made a choice to move into an attitude of thankfulness. And he began to start looking at his life. And he began to start, in that time, he, he quit talking about his limitations. And, what, and he began to ask God, what can I do for you with you with me in me? And he writes, he says, I found the purpose of my existence in this and also the purpose of my circumstance. And he goes around and he speaks to people and he's constantly asking people this. He says, what's the purpose of your circumstance? Because in the purpose of your circumstance, you may find the purpose of your existence. And he goes to people and he, he shares with them, there's a purpose why you're in the fire right now. And so Nicole heartily believed there's a purpose in each of the struggles that he says that people encounter. And he makes a statement, he says, as he talks to people without arms and legs, he says, your attitude towards struggles, along with your faith, your ability to choose to believe that God is with you and has a plan for you, and it will unlock that even in these circumstances is the key to overcoming. And it is also that which releases joy in your life, because joy is strength. What does it say? My joy is what? Is your strength. And when you begin to have this joy and you begin to trust, you begin to really believe that God is with you and you begin to smile and you begin to say, God, you can take this. Well, that's what Nick did in his life. And Nick, through his ministry of just in what I call his testimony of just being joyful, he's educated, he's married, he's got friends. He's now a motivational speaker, a college graduate in accounting and finance, an all around funny guy with a wonderful attitude, this wonderful attitude kind of person with no arms and legs. And in his circumstance, God led him to the purpose of his existence. You know what he has done with his life? He has led millions of people to trust Jesus, to save and help them no matter what their circumstances are like. And he may even be doing that for you today. I love what Nick says. Nick says, God has no favorite children. We are all his favorites. What God does for one, he will do for all. He will do for you. So what's the word? And it means? And when you're in this circumstance right now and you feel this lack, you have a choice. You have a choice to trust this truth that God is with you in this. He may not change the things around you, but he may. But he's changing you if you open your heart to him. So I call you and I call us to rejoice. It's an act of faith. You have to choose to believe to do it. So I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to sing together a song that forces you to say joy. Okay? and it's a song that is a wonderful song. It's a Christmas song with a with a truth that we can choose to do day in and day out.